Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Mobcast. I am your host, Connor Bland, and this week we're talking with Thomas Scott. He is the coordinator of learning management systems here at OC, and he's also had some experience with Kaleidoscope. So, Thomas, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do here at OC? Yeah, Thomas here. Glad to be here on the Mobcast. I have a fancy title, Learning Management Systems, that looks like uh, curating the Learning Center, working on some future projects that we have in the works, being part of training and training and development for the whole of OC. So it's a lot of different projects all up in the air, but it's trying to take what we have in training and make it more accessible. It's trying to take what we have and make it more beautiful or better and more well-rounded. So it looks like a lot of different things. Um, recently, I was working on a objective process course, and that might be looking a little different as you go forward with how we do objective process. But uh, you'll see the portfolio system coming up early this year. You'll see a new Global Alliance website. So some of the, those are some of the projects that I'm working on Okay. Um, to kind of flesh out what CLMS really, really okay. means. All right. No, that's really cool. What is the objective of the Learning Center? Yeah, we have over 200 units around the world. And what are we doing as OC? What are we doing as an organization to train, to develop, to continually uh, professionally advance our, our missionaries, our members, people associated with us? And the Learning Center is trying to answer the question of how can we give resources to, how can we continue to develop people even though we're here in Colorado and they may be somewhere uh, out across the ocean. Mm-hmm. And that was the the plan with that. It's also open to anyone else and it's used in our onboarding process. If you want to learn about OC, uh, you could take our worldview course. You could see the history of OC through that. There's a myriad of other resources there just to give you a picture of what OC does, what we believe, what we will do. And maybe you want to learn more about developing partnerships. There's a course there for that. Maybe you want to learn more about how we do research. There's a course for that. And so the idea of giving people access to who we are, what we do, and also to continue to develop our people. Okay. And that's uh, that's free for anybody to, to take? Free for anybody. Just okay. gotta sign up, make a little account, and we'll, we'll get you started with some courses. Great. No, that's awesome, man. So, uh, just so you guys know who are listening, I will, I'll put a little link in the description, um, to email and you can always email mobilization. We can get you connected as well. Uh, really you can email just about anybody here and we can, uh, work our way over to Thomas and, uh, he'd be happy to set that up for you guys. Uh, another question I have for you, Thomas would be, what do you see as your ministry in doing what, what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Like how, how do you feel connected to, the mission field doing the learning center um, yeah. process. I got to go way back for that. Okay. Uh, why am I even here in the first place? Sure. But I graduated from Liberty University. Please don't hold it against me. <laughs> About a year and a half ago, I finished my last course and I needed an internship um, to round out the degree for the requirements. And I was looking for one with member care. I wanted to do something, applying pastoral counseling to missionaries, 
we know what missionary life's like, yeah. we know what life is like, and then you put a person in a third culture, we put them outside of their passport country, and then life doesn't get any easier, but now we have all these other obstacles, we have maybe a care network breakdown, we have um, marital issues, we have raising kids, we have whatever is politically happening in the country that you're in, mm. and so we have all these factors for missionaries. And so I just have a passion for making sure missionaries have resources, they're taken care of, they have a care network, and with that uh, long-term goal of working in member care. So long-term goal, let's start with an internship. And I was looking everywhere, um, across the sea, um, and, and I had heard about One Challenge International from a former Liberty grad. And decided to send Jeff an email. If you've ever talked to Jeff, he's got big ideas for everybody he's ever talked to and <laughs> really helped to make the internship work, uh, figure out a way to come partner with summer programs and through that meet the requirements of my internship, get an understanding of what member care looked like and really round out that college experience. And I really appreciated that. I showed up here in June of that year, right before core and went through core as a participant and then through PEP on staff. And I got a full picture of what OC's member care looks like. And so really grateful for that opportunity. And afterward, I was thinking, what's next? How can I do what I want to do? And in looking at other organizations, I saw most member care providers are licensed professional counselors or missionaries or for pastors. I am none of those things. And then even more, I'm deeply in debt. So my thought was, what can I do from here to there? Um, getting out of debt, still continuing in this mentality of providing resources for missionaries, taking care of missionaries, and the learning center, learning management system role came available. So I applied and kind of utilizing the strengths I've built up in my last job at Liberty and psychology and with a care mindset, uh, it seemed like a good fit for OC and, and for Thomas. And so we made that, made that happen. And so it seems to me an indirect way to do what I want to do, but I okay. still very much look at it as a product of member care, mm -hmm. looking to provide resources for people, mm -hmm. take care of people and make sure they have what they need even if they're not here in Colorado. Mm. That's awesome. That's really great. So where, where would you say that your passion began for missions? Yeah. So not freshman year of college. <laughs> I would have told you in 2007 when I started at Liberty that I did not want to be a missionary. That's what other people cut from a different cloth. I also money. I don't really want to be a part of it. That's mm -hmm. y'all are weird. Why would you? Yeah, you go do that. I'll do something else. And my best friend in college was studying Spanish so that he could travel down to South America and translate the Bible for indigenous people groups. And I was mm -hmm. like, that's real cool, man. Mm -hmm. Go for it. I'll send you money. <laughs> and seeing his heart, seeing his passion, having deep conversations with him about that really changed how I felt about missions, how I viewed my role. Maybe 
all right, maybe it isn't for other people, but I don't see my, my path going that way, right? So it's kind of moved the needle mm-hmm. away from a hard no to like a, you know, Soft God note. could do it, but like, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's still, still a little yeah. still outside my comfort zone and mm-hmm. into college, uh, through college, I should say. Um, didn't quite know the direction I was heading and was continually surrounded by MKs, continually surrounded by people heading to the field mm. and just through exposure to them here in their heart. And as a, as I grew to love the gospel and the hope and the peace that, that brings, mm. and I see the world kind of falling apart. Well, how can we impact the world with, with hope when these governments are borderline hopeless and I don't see a better way to do that other than the gospel. If we're not sending people, okay, well now missions has elevated from something that other people do or something that like we really need to do. And I want to, I want to be a part of sending people. Mm. Okay. Well now I want to also be a part of taking care of those people because I see their children as my peers, my friends. I see these future missionaries again as my peers and my friends Mm. heading that way. And I'm like, who, is making sure that the mission that they're on is fruitful. Mm. And I want to be a part of that. And that was even five years ago. I still didn't see myself working for a missions organization. And mm. God has a really good sense of humor. He's slowly, I'm looking left, and he's just guiding me by the by the bit to the right. I'm like, okay, we're heading that way, right? He's like, sure, sure, sure. And then finally, we've kind of landed here, but I still don't know. The direction forward i just trust that i'll make plans start heading that way and that'll kind of fix them as as i go yeah wow that's it's a great story so thomas i've, I've heard from jeff who uh, you guys have heard in other uh, episodes yeah the uh he he's he mentioned to me that you have taken a trip with a organization called kaleidoscope do you mind do you mind sharing a little bit about that yeah kaleidoscope is awesome even further back beyond the internship, before I even landed in Colorado to start in June, Jeff was looking for ways to connect me to what I wanted to do because he's a mobilizer. And there's an organization that is loosely associated with OC, inspired by in some ways, uh, called Kaleidoscope. And they were looking for people to go to Japan uh, to work a missions conference. And it was crazy, but you know what? It was part of, part of the internship. I just looked at it as extra course hours. And so I connected with Kaleidoscope to go on this trip, not knowing what it would really look like, not having much experience, but they have a curriculum for that, uh, really made it accessible to people who hadn't worked with third culture kids to, to join them on that trip and little, a little more backstory. Okay. I was born in New Jersey, but I was in the Air Force. And so we moved to Japan real early. I was two, landed in Japan, was there until I was four when we moved back to Ohio. And I spent majority of my young years till 18 in Ohio and then moved to Virginia. So Japan is a little special place in my heart because I was there, but I have almost no memories of it. Mm-hmm. So going as an adult and experiencing a culture that I've been in, Mm. I just don't remember like seven times the size I was then. (laughs) And so that was a weird experience outside of what Kaleidoscope was doing. Mm. 
But we were there to work with navigators. They were doing a missions conference for their uh, a missions conference for their missionaries. Makes sense. And we were there to provide a program for their children, not doing kids care, not just summer camp, but a program that was directed at their children while their parents were in sessions, mm. being developed, being encouraged, um, getting a refresher on navigators' intentions in Japan. Mm. Their children were in sessions, getting poured into, getting encouraged, and just being reminded the good that comes with being a third culture kid, which if you don't know, is anyone who's grown up in a country that is different than their passport country. And because of that, they can't quite relate with the passport country. They didn't spend much time there or all their time there. And they don't quite fit in in their current home country. So that looks like missionary kids, military kids, some business children. They all grow up in between. They don't feel connected at home. and They don't feel connected in their passport country. And so it's this opportunity, really, to blend in in both situations. But then it comes with the problems of not feeling quite like you fit in in either. And so there's good with that. You become um, more culturally aware, more globally minded. You're a easier person to connect with because you are so used to being that person to make the connection. Mm-hmm. But then the cons with that is you might have identity issues. You might feel like you don't belong. And so Kaleidoscope has a heart for speaking into that, not telling them that the best people on earth and all missionary kids are somehow superior, but also telling them, Hey, it's all right. So you struggle through this, but then here's this unique if you add blue to yellow, you get green. You get this green identity instead, and it's this kind of overlap of both cultures. Mm. So it's really cool, really important ministry all over the world doing third culture kid care. So like I said, it's not a kid's kids care program as in yeah, daycare. Daycare, nursery, right? right? It's sure. developing identity. It's, mm-hmm. it's really a conference for the kids where they're at. Yeah, that's really great. Do do you think that uh, in your own life, being a third culture kid, that uh, as an adult going back and and presenting that or or leading that up for those kids, did you feel like you learned a lot during that time too? Kind of like going back to Japan and being like, I've never been here, but I have weird tension there. I, in learning about third culture kids, was learning how much that actually impacted my own life and my own story. Having moved back at six and spending a ton of time in Ohio, I didn't see myself as a third culture kid Mm. in the same way that somebody who might leave at six and come back at 18 Mm. would experience that. But it definitely had an impact on who I am. And I've recognized that in hearing my story reflected in other people's experiences Mm -hmm. and really being able to relate with those people, even the years being flip-flopped. The time frame's not matching up, but just immediately having a connection of feeling like maybe an other in both places and how do you deal with that tension. And so I read a book, uh, Among Worlds. It's a David Pollock book, uh, before I went because I wanted to know everything mm-hmm. and it ended up being like a personal exercise of 
Oh. Oh, okay. Somebody does understand this. Okay. Yeah. And so they, they listed off a whole bunch of other experiences outside of leaving the country that could create third culture uh, connections mm. without putting you in a third culture. So if you were I don't know, the first member of your family to go off to college, you have stepped into a new culture of higher education, mm. and then you go back home and there's there's a disconnect because you might be not used to being in a, in a collegiate scholarly environment, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, neither is your family, and so you don't fit in there. You know, and so there's this unique experience that creates like a disconnect between your two experiences. Mm-hmm. And then children of divorce are a similar situation. Maybe you're at mom's house on the weekend and dad's house during the weekday, or vice versa. Um, but moments like that, moving a lot, create these confusing identity moments and how do we navigate that? Mm-hmm. And so it became a personal experience of trying to figure out how those third culture experiences shape my life. And so it, I went for the internship and I went for other people and then kind of found myself along the way. Yeah. That's great. So, uh, just so you guys know who are listening, uh, I'll put a link to Kaleidoscope's website on there so that you guys can, if it sounds like something that you'd be interested in, in trying out, uh, they are always open to new people who are interested in ministering to TCKs and MKs and I think just Ks in general, right? Just kids. Kids. <laughs> They're all kids. Yeah. So I'll put a link in the, in the description so that you guys can check that out. Um, as we're, oh, did you have something else to say? With that, I can't recommend Kaleidoscope high enough. Five ladies who just have a heart for what they're doing, super professional and how they do it. They have this gigantic vision of where they're going and just seeing it grow even from when I was a very brief part of it till now with Jesse and Grace working really hard to develop that and continue growing it um, has been awesome to see. And yeah. I'm sure they're just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, one thing I wanted to move on to is kind of a little more about you and your desire for member care. Maybe you can speak into a little bit why member care kind of spoke so, so, uh, closely to you or, uh, what it is about member care that you feel is, uh, maybe for people who are, they're, they're considering that they, they like taking care of people. They like supporting people emotionally, spiritually, physically. Yeah. What, what drew you to member care? And maybe also how did you know that God was leading you into member care? What drew me? Uh, we kind of unpacked that a little bit, just those experiences through college with peers and missionary kids and future missionaries. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm kind of dumb and it took God like continually pushing me the way he was planning on the whole time for me to even get like, a little snippet of, mm-hmm. of a vision forward. But I was always looking left. This is where I'm going. These are my visions. These are my goals. And God was always creating opportunities, pushing me to the right towards towards where I am at now, and I have to assume where I'm where I'm going. But I learned through trial and error. Mm-hmm. And as I look back, seeing the ways that a degree that I got that didn't quite seem like my future or a job that I had that I wasn't passionate about, it wasn't developing me, 
still both gave me tools and an understanding and a worldview and an idea of what I can do, what I'm capable of. And then looking at that in hindsight and seeing how that all brought me here. Hmm. And so major in psychology, it's like the de facto undeclared major, got to pick something. I like people, so I'll study people. And that led into a disappointing grad school experience where I pursued licensure. Wasn't ready for it. It didn't line up with this developing worldview of gospel-centric ministry, gospel-centric counseling. Mm -hmm. And so dropped out of that. I was thinking, what, where am I going? Why am I going to use this? I have this passion for people in psychology. I have this gospel-centric care mentality. Well, pastoral counseling is that, is it, is it not? And so it's, yeah. it's merging those two. I'm like, okay. Well, I didn't think that psychology degree was going to lead anywhere after I finished it. I was like, oh, that was a waste of time. And I didn't see the way that it was developing over here and the way that they would eventually merge. God did all along. So mm-hmm. as I look back in hindsight and I see the way these pegs and puzzle pieces kind of just locked in, mm-hmm. and I can't take any credit for that. Like I said, I'm a little slow to the uptake, and so it's been... It's been really rewarding looking back and seeing the ways that God, in spite of me, has continued to push me in this direction. Mm-hmm. And so right now I'm just faithfully trying to look right. I might be a little bit more left than I intend, but I'm trying to look right where God is pointing me. And that seems like member care right now until that door closes. Just kind of keep pursuing for that door. Mm, yeah. You had alluded to earlier about um, massive debt. Oh, no. And even though this is not a business podcast of any means, what what would you recommend to a, either a college age or maybe um, maybe even a high school age? I don't know. Even older people who have debt who want to go into the mission field mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. What, what would you recommend, it, in your opinion, uh, for those people who maybe have uh, financial debt that would like to be involved in missions. It's not a hard no for most missions agencies if you have debt, but you have to factor in if your monthly minimum payments are X, you have to raise that much more on top of what you're raising in order to go. And mm-hmm. so if that's your mindset, what can you do now to, to cut down on the total of your debt, reduce those mo- monthly payments, and put yourself in a better place to raise support? Um, to get yourself to the field. So if that's what you're passionate about, there are people that will support you in doing that. There are ways to do that. And there are ways that you can cut out of your life. Do you need a car payment? Do you need a new car? Or do you buy that car off Craigslist? You know, mm-hmm. could you pick up a, a side job and start mm-hmm. chunking away at that debt? Uh, what are ways that you can, Dave Ramsey says, live now like nobody else will so you can live later like nobody else can. And I'm not a huge fan of Dave Ramsey's model, but he, he has a great point of what do we really need? Do you need a brand new phone? Do you need a brand new computer? And I think missionaries have that mindset. What do I really need? And uh, Jim's always bragging about his Goodwill sweaters, right? Like, do we need the newest thing? I think we're able to separate ourselves from that like, material desires. And once you can do that, start saving some money, throwing that towards loans and getting out of the pit that you're in, maybe little by little, but 
you are digging yourself out and that puts you in a better place to go and do ministry. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say that's easy, sure. but uh, we can we can definitely cut back on a lot of things. Yes, yeah. it's not too hard in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But is that is that your desire? Is that your passion? Mm-hmm. Is that what you, what you want to do? I think you'll find a, a way to, to make it happen. Yeah, and I'm going to use this time too to to plug one of our other episodes that we have. Uh, it's it's called Finances and Missions, and if you guys haven't heard that one yet. Uh, I'd encourage you to uh, click on over to our Modcast Facebook page or SoundCloud. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. So if you are interested in hearing a little bit more about uh, finances and missions, uh, whether that be how different agencies decide to have you raise support, whether you're an employee or more of a contractor, uh, along with different aspects of finances, I would really encourage you guys to go over and check that out. This is about all the time we have for today, but I really appreciate you coming on, Thomas. Uh, Thomas is a, uh, a stone's throw away from my desk here in the office, so it's, it's great to be able to hear some uh, new things. I don't think I knew some of that stuff about what you do here, and uh, I hope that it was interesting to you guys as well. Um, if you guys want to reach out to Thomas because something in his story spoke to you, and I'm sure he would be happy to uh, talk to you and, and uh, give you some advice or or help you coach you maybe through a, a difficult time in your life, we uh, will leave a link in the description of his email address that you can send. And uh, for now, we thank you guys so much for listening, and we love you guys, and we'll see you next week.